All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. You're listening to Dropping the Gloves with former NHL All-Star John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash. Everybody, welcome back to Dropping the Gloves. I hope everyone's doing well. I really do. I hope you're out there doing well. Fall is upon us. Summer is over. Seemed like yesterday was 79, Tim. Now it's like 66. Fall is here. I love fall. What's your favorite season, Tim? Question. Oh, fall by far. I love sweater weather. It's the best. Really? You're a fall guy? I enjoy fall. I like spring better. I think the the anticipation after winter, getting out of the pants and the jackets, the first day where you can throw shorts on, it's like, yeah, baby. But sweater weather, sweat, that's hard to say. Sweater weather. That is nice. So you uh, like a button-up sweater guy? You cardigan guy? You like a fleece? What kind of sweaters does Tim have? A hoodie? I have a lot. I have, that's like in the fall is where my outfits and my clothes are just the best. That's like, yeah, I have a, the quarter zips. I'm a big quarter zip guy. The zip ups, the hoodies, the pullovers, cardigan, everything. Well, it works for your complexion. You're very dark hair, dark eyes, dark eyebrows. It works for you. Plus, you got a little bit of a tummy. So it covers up the tum tum a little bit. It makes you look better. <laughs> yeah, you know? right. You're shredded. I forgot. <laughs> You're so jacked. <laughs> Tim's giving me dirty looks. He's just flexing over there. I'm just teasing. Tim's in prime shape. You know who else is in prime shape, Tim? Anyone who signs up for Fantrax because you're in prime shape to have a beautiful fantasy experience because Fantrax, let me tell you, it is the best fantasy platform there is. It, it, there is nothing lacking from your current fantasy platform, whether it's Yahoo, that bomb ESPN, that Joker, whatever fantasy league you're on now, Fantrax outdoes everyone. And you know what? Fantasy sports, they don't sleep, and neither does Fantrax, with seasons running 365 days a year. So you never have a day where you don't have some kind of fantasy to play. And everybody loves a fantasy sports, Tim. It's fantastic. Any kind of draft you want. They got fantasy experiences of Dynasty, Keeper, Redraft, the elusive Best Ball League, which I still haven't wrapped my head around, but one day, hopefully I'll be in a best ball fantasy league. But listen, all kidding aside, Fantrax is the top dog. So go up, sign up for Fantrax, Fantrax.com forward slash dropping the gloves. Or there's like a little prompt that says, where did you find us? It just says, says, oh, DTG. 
where did you find us? It just says drop the gloves, but I'm assuming that's us because why would they add dropping? I don't understand why they wouldn't, but we have bad luck with our, uh, with our sponsors. DoorDash doesn't yes, have our promo code. Fantrax doesn't put our full name dropping. We're just drop the gloves, not even a proper grammatically sentence, but Hey, go to Fantrax. Drop the gloves or fantrax.com forward slash DTG. All kidding aside, very, very fantastic website. Very, very good fantasy experience. And you will thank me later. Moving on, Tim, there was some money being thrown around. It was Daddy Warbucks made the drive over to the Minnesota Wild XL Energy Center. And he said, Kabril Kaprizov, come on down. You are the next winner of multi-multi-millionaire. He signs a six-year, $54 million contract. What did you think of this signing? Or sorry, was it a 54? Yeah, it was. It was a lot of money. What are your initial thoughts on this? I'm interested to hear your take on this. If you thought it was too high, too low, if it was just right. What did you think, Tim? I mean, based on his performance last year, it's probably a good deal, but I still can't really get past the fact that he's only played 55 games in the NHL. This is a lot of money, a lot of term uh, to commit to a guy like as electric as he is, as talented as we've seen him be. It's just, he still hasn't even played really a full season in the national hockey league. So, um, I, I thought maybe they might do like a bridge deal, like a, a year or two deal and then work up to a bigger one, but, um, they didn't kind of interesting. What, what, what was your takeaway? Well, the tricky thing with Kaprizov is he's not like your normal entry level contract where he is 24 years old already. So a bridge deal for Minnesota puts him at 27 and he's a UFA. So that's the tricky part here. You want to sign him to a term that is long enough where you get his prime. So that takes him to 30. Usually a player is 29, 30 when they start to dip in their production. So if if I'm Billy Guerin, I'm not offering him a three-year deal. That's not even on the table. So I I think this is a win-win for both player and team. Billy Guerin gets him in his prime five years. It takes him to 29. Then they can, you know, see where they go from there. And Kaprizov gets 54 stinking million dollars. You know, 9 million, maybe it's a little bit of an overpay right now, but in three or four years, maybe we're looking at a contract and it's like, well, gosh, maybe this is a Leon Dreinsidel contract where Dreinsidel today makes, I think he makes 8 million bucks, eight and a half million dollars. And he's arguably the second best player in the world. And you're looking at that contract going, boy, oh boy, that is a very good contract for the Edmonton Oilers. Because when you look at the comparable contracts for Kirill Kaprizov, where he, where he lines up right now, which one of these guys, does he fit in this group in your mind? And whenever a guy signs for this much money, you always compare. You go, okay, who else makes this much amount of money? Where does he fit in? So Kirill Kaprizov, all of 55 games, 51 points, Sidney Crosby, Dreinsidel, Stamkos, Malkin, Ovechkin, Kucherov. Does he, is he elite enough to fit into that group of, of forwards? Short answer is no. Uh, the longer answer is that he's younger than just about almost all of those guys you just listed off, except maybe, except maybe a couple. So that's the flip side. He's got that, you know, the future investment. They're investing in their future with him. Um, so maybe in that sense, he's worth it. If he's 30, 31, 32 years old signing this deal, it doesn't make any sense. But at this age, I think they're just hedging their future. It's crazy. Uh, Dryden Seinel is only 25. It's unbelievable. Every time I look at his contract, he makes 85 it's silly that they have that contract for that player for that amount of term. It, it's 
as amount that we dump on Edmonton, that's their best work. And that wasn't even Ken Holland. So um, very good contract for him. I, I, I don't know. You know, it, it's, it's a tricky thing because people say, oh, he's only played 55 games. It's, it's such a small window to really evaluate a player. But you're not evaluating the 55 games. He, he was a professional for three years prior in the KHL. He won the MVP in the KHL. He, he Which doesn't mean anything, of, apparently. Well, not when you're talking about the Hall of Fame. But when you're talking about a player evaluation, it does mean something when you're a 21-year-old kid and you're competing and winning the MVP in the KHL. Do I think those numbers should count towards his Hall of Fame career? Absolutely not because the best league in the world is the NHL. But you can take things from that league and use it if you're Billy Guerin to say, okay, is this a good player? Am I wasting $9 million and being pressured into this contract? Or can I use those stats and his success over there to be like, okay, long-term, this kid's not going to be a bust. He's not going to be a player who is exactly right with him at $9 million in a Jeff Skinner, who all of a sudden you give him all this money and it doesn't age very well. So, I think it's a good contract. I, I really do. I think Minnesota had to get this done. When you watched a playoff series last year versus Vegas, Minnesota was an average team whenever Kaprizov was not on the ice. When Kaprizov was on the ice, it was a drastically different game. The game was played underneath the, the dots in Vegas' zone. It was constant pressure, and it was exciting. He, he changes the whole dynamic of the Minnesota Wild. And you cannot let a player like this walk. You can't let him go. You can't sign him to a two-year deal, three-year deal, and just cave. I think this is good for the Minnesota Wild. I think it's good for Kirill Kaprizov because he still gets out of this contract, and he's a UFA in his prime. 29 years old, you can still legitimately say, I'm going to sign this guy for another five-year contract for $70 bucks, whatever the cap is at that point. So he gets what he wants. Minnesota gets what they want. I think this is a good contract. I think this ages well for Minnesota. Maybe they overpay a little bit this year based on, oh, people are going to say 55 games, 51 points, whatever, whatever. The, the player that I like to compare it to, and you actually had a good rebuttal to this. I, when I was doing my research, I'm like, okay, who is he similar to? What, what numbers can we kind of compare to? It was Rantanen from Colorado. And the more I dug into it, I was like, gosh, Rantanen is a very, very, very good player. The guy averages over a point a game. He's only 24 years old. He's been playing for four or five years. He's better than Kaprizov, much better, in my opinion. But then you look at his teammates. You look at his line mates. Rantanen's been playing with McKinnon and Landeskog. Does that compare to who Kaprizov has been playing with? Kaprizov's mostly been with Zuccarello and then an extra. He has. He doesn't have those two solid line mates who he's been. He was with last year. So you got to give Rantanen the edge in that respect. But gosh, Rantanen's such a solid player. So we'll see if Kaprizov can. You know adjust to the NHL game even more and get more comfortable with his teammates and just feel like he's in the NHL. Cause your first year you're, you're in flux, especially with COVID you're adjusting to the NHL. You're adjusting to living overseas. This is probably the first time he's ever left Russia. It's for an extended period of time. So there's a lot of moving parts and we'll see if just being able to settle down, play his game, have a solid training camp, which they didn't have last year, get comfortable with his line mates, which he really didn't have last year because of COVID, all those sort of things. They, they do play a part in your production. So hopefully, you know, he can blow it out. 82 game season. He puts up 110 points. I, I expect that from Caprice. If I'm sure the people in Minnesota expect it, I, I'm sure Billy Garen expects that. If you're paying a guy $9 million and you're in the same tier as a Crosby, uh, a Rantanen, a Malkin, an Ovechkin, a Kucherov, you expect to lead your team. That is the guy that you need to be when you sign that big contract. Is he, is he that guy? 
I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll wait to see Tim. Yeah. Ranton is a good comparable. The big thing with Ranton and what makes him so effective is he's six, four, like he's an absolute mule on the ice. Um, the, the, the comparable that I was thinking of was Artemi Panarin. And I think the stories are actually super similar breaking into the NHL at 24 years old. So not, you know, not the 18, 19, 20 year old kids. So Panarin had 77 points in 80 games played his rookie year. So basically the exact same point per game is what Kaprizov did last year. Uh, wins the, the Calder Trophy. The difference being that Panarin didn't sign his big deal until a few more years in the league. So they had a much bigger sample size. Hopefully for the Minnesota Wild, Kaprizov ages like Panarin and that contract ages like this one or the dry side or the Rantanins of the world and not the, what was the other example? Jeff Skinner's. And I don't think he will be. I mean, even at Jeff Skinner's best, he was never doing what Kaprizov did last year. So um, exciting player, good contract. It feels like the first superstar Minnesota's had in like a decade since Gabrick left, right? Can you think of anyone else? No, I would say Gabrick has really been the only true, true superstar Minnesota has ever had. In, in its whole entirety, there, there's been no one who can really impact the game and who has that flashy star power. Yes, they had Brent Burns. He wasn't the Brent Burns we know now when he was in Minnesota. He was very out of control, and he just didn't have that, you know, just it factor like Gabrick has, like Kaprizov has shown flashes to have. So it's very exciting. I'm just going back. Panarin's last season in Russia, he had 62 points. Kaprizov's in, in 50 some games, Kaprizov's last season, 62 points in 50 some games, identical stats. So if, if he lines up with Panarin and his, his runway is the same as Panarin, the wild are getting themselves a deal. Cause Panarin, arguably who's your top three players in the league is Panarin. Your number three. No. Is Benjamin and Marshawn. No, no, no. It's uh, McDavid. I have McKinnon number two and then probably dry side on number three. All right. See, Panarin slides in there for me, maybe over. It's so tough. It's so Matthews tough. Too. Panarin, Matthews is not in that conversation of those players. Uh, I think Matthews is, is a minute step behind Panarin, McKinnon, McDavid, and Dreinsidel. Those four are just, and even Kucherov, you can put in there. Those five are very, very good. Matthews would, would slot in at six for me. So that's where we're at. And that's not including defensemen. Cause then you got, oh, gosh, Jake Gardner. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. This is tough. We'll have to go. This is a whole other episode we can, we can dig into, but Kirill Kaprizov, he is the first domino to fall. Do you see a ripple effect? Now the first RFA has signed. You have a comparable. If you're Pedersen, if you're Kachuk, there's still Hughes and Dolan. Those are the four big RFAs yet to be signed. Do you envision some more names kind of ticking off that list? And who who is the next one to be signed? Because Vancouver's got those two massive monkeys on their back that they need to get signed. And then you got Buffalo and Ottawa situation where those two guys, there's no indication that they're going to sign. You want to touch on the, the Kachuk situation, what his brother said? Yeah, it's interesting because we have a little bit of more context around Quinn Hughes and the Kachuk situation. And we haven't touched on uh, Darlene at all the last couple of weeks. We're talking about the, the RFAs, but I'll start with uh, Brady Kachuk, who obviously hasn't signed yet. And it's really interesting. There's, there's two kind of similar stories here. The first one, so Matt Kachuk was being interviewed by, I forget the name of the show, but Elliot Matt Friedman. Matt Kachuk? You call him Matt? Matthew Kachuk, yeah. Matthew. Is, was that worth stopping my my soliloquy there probably not i just caught me <laughs> off guard 
Um, yeah, Maddie Kachuk was, was going to be, but uh, <laughs> Elliot Friedman and Jeff Marrick, uh, with, I think 31 thoughts. I think that's their podcast. Um, asked about, you know, how that conversation was going and the negotiations and all that. And he said, this is a quote here. Brady might be, he's doing great. Matthew continued. He might be pulling a classic Kachuk right now. Dad held out, Matthew held out, and Brady looks like he's on his way right now. So hopefully it can get figured out here. But it's just a lot of fake stuff out there regarding this. They're not too close. Um, oh that's boy. pretty concerning for Senators fans, is it not? Uh, yeah, and he continues a qu- his quote. He goes, so hopefully it gets figured out, but who knows? My dad and I are definitely involved. Brady needs us to help him out with that stuff. He wasn't as cutthroat as we were during it, but he's starting to become more of a kachuk the later this goes. So that's not good if you're an Ottawa fan or an Ottawa, if you're Pierre Dorian, that is not good because those two guys have set the precedent. Matthew obviously held out with Calgary and he, he signed into training camp and then his dad, Keith, he held out with uh, St. Louis. So the precedent has been set with the Kachuk family and they, they seem to take pride in that. They seem to like holding out and being the bad boy and wanting to like work the GM and the team and milk every last penny out of the organization. So I don't think this is a good situation. If I'm Brady, I'm calling Matthew and I'm like, what, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? This doesn't help my situation. You're making things worse because now the expectation is he's going to hold out. It's a PR nightmare for Brady Kachuk right now because everyone's now going to think that his dad and his brother are basically negotiating this contract and his agent is just number three on that list. And Brady falls somewhere as number four. So I don't know. It's not a good sign when he arguably is the face of the franchise, right? He is the captain, the presumed captain. You don't want to have this kind of noise surrounding this guy. You want him locked in. You want him on the ice. You want him influencing all the other players with his work ethic, with his demeanor, with his, his attitude. He, he is the straw that stirs a drink in Ottawa. So if he's not there, who are you going to look to? Strenzel? Strudel? What's his name? Stutzel. Stutzel? Like, are you going to look at him? No, he doesn't have the same machismo that Kachuk has. So this needs to get done. It needs to get done yesterday. If I'm Pierre Dorian, I'm on the phone with this guy every single day. But the trick is, if, you know, history is going to repeat itself, Matthew is telling Brady to take a bridge deal. He's like, listen, I took a three-year, $7 million contract. Do that. That's the way to go. Then in three years, when this salary cap raises, you can cash in again. You'll still be an RFA, but RFAs hold all the power now. It doesn't matter if you're an RFA or a UFA. You can just cash in again like I'm going to do. Because Matthew, I went and looked at his contract. It was very strange. Usually a bridge deal gets you to your UFA season. His bridge deal gets him to 24, and he's still an RFA, so he's still under control by Calgary. I don't know why he would do that, but it works out for the team where they, they kind of control – if he stays in Calgary, if he goes, but Matthew's telling him to take a bridge deal. I bet you his dad's telling him to take a bridge deal. Cause that's what he did in St. Louis. So, and I expect him to take a deal much like his brother got three, four years, $7 million per. That's a good deal for Brady. If he gets $7 million per, he doesn't have the offensive upside as Matthew. He obviously is physical. He obviously is passionate. The players look to him, but he's not going to give you the same, you know, points that Matthew does in Calgary. So we'll see what happens with that. But if, I, if I'm Dorian, I'm calling Brady. I'm like, tell your brother to shut his mouth. Unnecessary. There's, there's no brotherly love that we need. Like this is a negotiation between you and I and your agent. 
Your brother needs to see his way out of this. Your dad needs to see his way out of this. You're a big boy. Let's do this. And just call him when the deal's done. And then Matthew, stop going on Sportsnet and spewing all this stuff. Unnecessary. Do, do you think he signs before training camp? Because it's a big deal. The, the last two training camps have been truncated. The one wasn't even exi- – like, there, there needs to be a full training camp, and Brady needs to be in there in order for Ottawa, as their GM has predicted, they're going to win this year. And if they don't have Brady Kachuk at the start of training camp, that takes a big hit to that team's chances of even competing in that division. Uh, I just keep going back to Pierre Dorian's comments last week about the rebuild is done. Like, yeah. this is a team that needs to start winning, like you said, and, and you don't even have your best player under contract yet. And from what it seems like, pretty good sources for Matthew, it's not even close. So that's, I don't know. I, I mean, generally speaking, you said Brady might be a little frustrated with Matthew speaking like that. What, what's your take on that? Do you think Matthew kind of spoke out of turn, or do you kind of like that we're seeing a little bit more of like that personality and energy around the situation? Well, we saw with another situation this week, which we'll touch on, but it's, it's, oh, it's the big brother, right? Protecting the yep. little brother. He, he's stepping in. He's saying, you know what? I'm guiding him. I get that. You know, Matthew's been there, done that. His dad, Keith, has been there, done that. So they're imparting their wisdom because why wouldn't they? They've gone through the same exact situation that Brady's going through right now. That's all well and good. And I think Brady appreciates it. But you just keep that, you know, keep those conversations to yourself. Because when you go out and and you're talking to Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick, that's going to go all over the world in a second. And when you're saying, you know, it's not going well, Brady's not happy. That that's not good. That stuff is best left said unsaid. So, you know, it's, it's a good thing. He's talking to his brothers, but at the end of the day, Brady's a professional. He's a big boy. He needs to just make this decision on his own. He he's 22 years old now. Like it's time to grow up, Brady. You're going to be the captain of the Ottawa senators. Like let's go lead the team. But you said he was the best player on that team. Do you, do you think he is the best player on that team? Brady? Yeah. Yeah, it was better. Well, I don't know if there's. Uh, I like Batherson. I like Stutzel. Those those are very good players. I, I'm just, you know, Shabbat, Shabbat Shalom. The, those are a few players that come to mind. I just, I don't know if your best player can be a grinder power forward. I just don't know if you could hang your hat and this is the team we're going to win with. Our best player is a grinder. I don't know. I don't know. That's just me talking. I love the grinders. I love Brady Kachuk. Friend of the show. Listen to the show all the time. Can that be your best player? Maybe your second best player. Maybe your third best player. Still be your captain. Still be the heartbeat of the team. Still be the straw that stirs a drink, as Reggie Jackson once quoted. But can he be your best player? I don't know. We, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Because this is the year they turn it around, Tim. It's time to win, baby. It's time to win. I have a question. I'm looking at their roster right now, and every single one of them is basically dash double digits. On a team like that, in a year where you're not expected to win, like you like you had in Buffalo, are you guys like paying attention? Does that become like a running joke? Like, hey, you're minus 15. I'm only minus 14. Or oh, is yeah. That just like, yeah. I, I think we had an actual green jacket in Buffalo that we would pass around and hang in guys' stalls. You do not want to be the the worst player on the worst team. Like that's <laughs> that's a big big no no. And we had guys who were almost like a dash every other game. So it was, it it became a running joke and you'd get the stats and guys would like sprint off the ice to try not to get dashes. And it it was, it was a big deal between the guys because guys take pride in your stats. You know, it's, it's one of those things. And a plus minus is so it's such a useless stat 
because there's so many ways you can pick up dashes and pluses that you don't even deserve them. So it's uh yeah, guys do give each other a hard time about it. And guys do very, very much check the stats and they do not want to be the most minuses on their team, let alone the league, especially a bad team like we had in Buffalo. Oof. We were the Ottawa Senators of back in the day. But we weren't even expected to win. So that's that's another thing. All right, Tim. I gotta I gotta go to the restaurant and get some food because I'm hungry. I'll be back in 20 minutes. I wish there was another way. I wish. Maybe a door dash. There is another way. Ding dong. DoorDash is at your door, everybody. We're just these we're we're killing it with the advertisements today. I love it. But DoorDash is loving it too, because when you go on their app or on their website and you order some food, it gets to you super fast. It gets to you piping hot, and they are the best in the business. I use DoorDash. Tim uses DoorDash. It is a fantastic company. We only pair up with companies we really enjoy. We had other people who wanted to be with us, and we said, no, I want DoorDash because DoorDash is the best at what they do. So go to DoorDash, get yourself some food, get yourself some drinks, whatever you want. Groceries. They do groceries. They do anything and everything. Check out DoorDash.com. Go to the app. Use DoorDash. Tell them we sent you somehow, some way. I don't know. And, uh, you know, give us a little bump. Gives them a little bump. It helps everybody. And it gets your tummy nice and full, which is uh, I love a nice full stomach, Tim. After a long day of chopping wood, I go inside. Nothing in the fridge. DoorDash delivers to my little cottage in the middle of nowhere. Dirt road looks like you're going to get shot 15 times up the dirt road. They still, they still bring it up there. It's a very nice, very nice little gift that I can give myself. Oh, a meatball sub and a six pack of beer. Don't mind if I do. Thank you. DoorDash. Ding dong. DoorDash is here. All right. You mentioned um, Matthew Kachuk or Maddie or uh, M M bone, as you call him. What other brother made a comment about his brother this week, Tim? It was nepotism gone wild in the NHL this week. (laughs) What a week. Uh, So Jack Hughes was interviewed on, I think, Canadian show, Tim and Friends. I'm I'm not familiar with it, but um, he was asked about his brother's negotiation with the Canucks and some of the criticism that Quinn had last year. And this is the quote that Jack replied with. Last year, people were talking about his defense and his dashes, but when you play on one of the worst teams in the division and in the league, that's bound to happen. Um, Kind of a bold statement and probably almost worse than than what Matthew said about Brady. Vancouver, you know, fair enough, did finish last in the North and among the worst teams in the league. But uh, do you think this criticism on Hughes' defense is legitimate or do you think Jack has a point? No, no, he doesn't have a point at all because the year prior – when Vancouver was one of the best teams in the league and they had a fantastic team, he was dash 10. So it's not like he went from guys plus 30 year, you know, he's plus 25. And then the next year the team sunk and he's minus 24. No, he's bad defensively. It's okay. You can't be good at every aspect of your game. And yes, it does hurt that you had Braden Holpe who couldn't stop a beach ball and nothing went right with your team last year. You had COVID, you had all the travel stuff. You were in the bubble. You, it was just a very, very bad year for Vancouver. They, they really didn't have anything to play for. I'd say two months into the season, they were just, they were already out of it. They, they started slow. They got worse. There was no real uptick. It it was a bad season all around. But when, when you, if, if I'm Jack Hughes and I'm talking about my brother, Quinn, just focus on the good things. He had 53 points his first year. He had 41 points his second year. He is the best defenseman. Is he the best defenseman on this team? I don't know. He he is a main cog on the back end. He he drives the power play. He's a very good player on this team. 
again, much like Matthew, why, why make these comments? I know you're sticking up for your little brother and you read the tabloids, you read the press, you want him to get what he's deserved. It doesn't help. It does not help anything. It doesn't make it better for your brother. Quinn doesn't call Jack and go, Hey Jack, thanks. Thanks for making that comment about me being on the worst team in the league. I got to go to the rink now and see all those guys and tell them how my brother was just kidding. He doesn't mean that we're really good. You guys, like it just, there's no good that comes from this. It really doesn't. Let's dig into Vancouver for a little bit. There are a face. So in the grand scheme of things, these guys have comparables, right? Pedersen, we talked about Kaprizov. We, we talked about Rantanen. Those are pretty close to, to Pedersen. Who does Hughes compare to? Who is he looking at when he goes into the negotiating room with Jim Benning? He said, listen, this guy got paid. I'm the same as this guy. This is what I deserve. Are you asking me? I would no, say the other guy in the conversation. <laughs> Sometimes you get rhetorical. I mean, Kale McCarr, Heiskanen, Charlie McAvoy, those names. So what is he worth then? If if you're if you're Hughes and you're you're looking for a contract, what what does that number start with? I don't think he's quite as good as McCarr. My I put him more in the Heiskanen range, who I think makes like eight, eight and a half, something like that. I would put him in there. Yeah, Heiskanen makes 8.45, so just under 8.5 for eight years. McCarr's making $9 million for six years. So, you know, the market has been set. See, I disagree. I think Hughes is pretty comparable with Kale McCarr. They're the same age. They came out at the same time. They put up the same amount of points. The other plus minuses are drastically different. Over two years, McCarr is plus 29. Over two years, Hughes is uh, dash 34. So that's a difference of over 60 goals. But... When you look at their style of play, when you look at who they're playing with, Colorado plays a very structured style. They have very good defense. They have a very good goaltender. Vancouver, not so much, kind of run and gun, very shaky at times. They break down. They're a younger team, so they don't have that consistent, you know, solid gameplay that you can just fall back on when things get crazy. You know how to play the game. So I, I don't, like I said earlier, I don't take the plus minus too seriously. Is McCarr a better defensive player than Hughes at this point? Yeah, maybe. Maybe maybe a little bit. No, not by a lot. I think Hughes, when he came into the league, he played with Tanev, Chris Tanev, and that helped him a lot. Tanev kind of guided him along. He, he covered up for a lot of Hughes' mistakes. Last year, he was just on his own. He had no one to cover up for his mistakes, and I think he pushed it too much. He knew Vancouver wasn't the same team they were the year prior. He was rushing the puck a lot more. He got caught a lot more. He was out of position a lot more because he tried to do too much. And Young defensemen do that. Young defensemen who know that they can impact the play, they get out of position quite a bit. And and it takes them a year or two or three to realize that, okay, maybe I don't have to do as much to impact the game the way I want to. Because you think you want to jump in the rush. You want to be the third guy in the rush. You want to be the fourth guy in the rush. You want to lead the rush. You got to go. You got to go. You got to go. Sometimes the best play is to just ease up a little bit, not be so active, not be so excited to get up in the play. And he, he'll, he'll learn that Brent Burns. It took him. <clears throat> I don't want to keep bringing up Burnsy, but he was a wild animal out there when he first started in the league, he would be the first guy in the rush. He'd be the first guy back. He'd be all over the ice, East, West, North, South. And it gets you into trouble a lot of times. And it doesn't like when you look at the score sheet, yeah, he's got one goal, one assist, but he's given up three. So the net gain is a negative. It looks sexy. It looks great. He, he's putting up points, but you're impacting the game in a negative way when it's all said and done. And I think Hughes will understand that where he'll kind of rein in his game a little bit and 
just kind of coming to his own. You see McCarr, he's already figured that out. And that's because he's been able to play with these players who have guided him and say, it's not all on you. We'll handle this. You just play your game. You get us the puck. You join the rush. We'll give you the puck and it'll be all great. The pressure isn't there because he knows his forwards are going to take care of him. I think he comps out like McCarr at the end of the day when they get this contract done because they have to sign Pedersen first before they can sign Hughes. There's, or excuse me. Yeah, they have to sign Pedersen first and they can sign Hughes. So is that right? Because Hughes is not an, I don't know. There, there's something going on where they have to sign Pedersen first. But um, I think he gets $9 million. I think Pedersen gets $9 million and they both get six, seven-year deals. I think that is where it's going to end up and they have to work the contracts. The scary thing is when you look at Vancouver on their back end, if they give McCarr $9 million, that team's met, it, it looks like they're going to have a final cap hit on the back end of $31 million. That's a lot of cheese you're putting on your back end when you got Tyler Myers, Ekman Larson, and now a Hughes all making over $6 million. Like that's a lot of money. And you got Hominick and Pullman. Like, is that a good idea to have that much money in your back end? I don't know. You can't, you compare it to Edmonton, who's got $29 million invested in their defense, and there's like a train wreck compared to Vancouver. So they're going all in. If they go $9 million for Hughes and $9 million for Pedersen, which is where I think they're going to end up because all these forwards are getting $9 million, all these defensemen are getting $9 million. There's no way of getting around it. You got to pay them the money. And to put even more pressure on the situation, Pedersen just left Vancouver and went to Michigan to go and skate with Hughes. So they're, they're skating with their agency. They're skating together. He's out. He's out of the country, baby. And now it's all on the, they have the same agent, Pat Bryson or Brisson. He's going to negotiate with Jim Benning. And that makes it even more likely that they're going to get the same number, much like Parisian Suter had the same agent. They got the same number in Minnesota. These guys are skating together. They're friends. Like, you know what? Let's get the same deal. We're going to grow Vancouver Canucks together because this is it. This is Vancouver's, you know, this is the hill that they're going to die on with these two players. If they sign these two guys and they're good and they pan out to be superstars, Vancouver will compete for the next five, six, seven years. If they sign these two guys and they turn out to be duds or just average, ooh, Vancouver's going to be junk. So this is it. This, this is it for Benning. He is going all in with these two players. According to Cap Friendly, they only have $10 million and change in cap space. Unless yeah. there's like some, some other money coming off the books that I'm not seeing. I don't know how they're going to get it done. They'll have to, they'll have to finagle some of this cap. I, I don't know how they're going to done it, get it done either because these guys are going to demand the money. They're, they will not take a discount. There's no reason for them to. The, the precedent has been set with these younger players, the McCars, the Heiskanen's, the Kaprizovs now. They're going to get paid and they will wait. They will wait and they'll be patient because the market has been set. They're not going to give them a hometown discount. They're not going to give them, you know, a bridge deal for this much or that much. So they'll get their $9 million each. And, you know, the team will have to get creative with, with the contracts because yeah, they need to find some money in some way to make these contracts work. So I don't know out of the, out of the four Kachuk, Darlene, Hughes and Pedersen who gets signed first. Um, I don't know. Darlene, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I think the Vancouver contracts are going to be done. I, th- I think they'll get them I done at the so. same time. And then a boom, then Vancouver, and they're going to have a good season. I like this Vancouver team. Uh, yeah, I hope they get them done because they'll be exciting if they can be um, on the ice for training camp. That is a big deadline. You do not want to miss time at you know the training camp. That's where you get to know which lines work together. You get comfortable with other guys. So let's do some quick kits, Tim, and get out of here. 
Yeah, quick hits. Uh, Bobby Ryan signed a PTO with Detroit. Um, had seven goals, seven assists in 33 games last year. Good for him. Good for Detroit. We'll see if he makes the team, but he's kind of a solid veteran presence, which is crazy to say because I still picture him being like 25 years old, but he's not anymore. Um, Travis Zajac retired. He signed a one-year deal to retire as a devil, which I love when guys do that. I think it's really cool. He had over 1,000 career games, 552 points, so basically you know, a point every other game. Um, you play, you must have played against him dozens of times, right? Any, any good stories or anything, interactions? He was quiet. No, I even played against him in college. So we played together against each other for a long time. He went to North Dakota. So, um, no, very, very vanilla player. It's Bobby Ryan was the one who's chatty on the ice. He's always joking, making jokes. I'm like, I give him a hard time and stuff. Every, every time we lined up together, he would always ask me to fight. He's like, Johnny, you're going to fight me tonight. And like anytime Bobby's like, ah, you're not going to go me a chicken. And then you just giving each other a hard time. Are you going to get in the shot lane tonight, Bobby? He's like, no way. I make too much money. Like he's just, you know, he's, he's a very just fun loving guy. He reminds me of uh, a Danny Heatley a little bit where he's just, he, he scores goals. He's very talented. He doesn't take himself too serious, and he's just a good hockey player. So I'm happy. He'll he'll tie on in Detroit. He, he'll have a good season. They like those older guys, you know. They did it with Thomas Vanek. They did it with uh, a couple other guys. You know, they got Bobby Ryan. So good for Detroit. He's a, he's a good uh, influence to those kids. We'll have to get an interview with him when he comes up here, Tim. Oh, I'd love to talk to him. All right, um, Jonathan Duran, who kind of disappeared mysteriously last season. Um, he was spoke to the media. Was asked about his leave. And he kind of spoke out open and honestly about dealing with anxiety that led to severe insomnia. It sounded like something that's been going on for a while. It just kind of got to a tipping point where he didn't sleep for like three straight days, he said, and talked about the team being super supportive. So good for him for talking about his issues. I can't imagine not being able to sleep for multiple days in a row. I'm sure that takes quite a toll on your mind and your body. Yeah, it's uh, gosh, imagine if he would have been with Montreal during that playoff run, if he's at his peak. Montreal's a different team when he's playing and good and healthy. So good for him to come and speak out. I think Robin Lanner kind of cracked that nut and got everybody to be a little more open about mental stuff because it is a huge part of the game. Insomnia is crazy. Like that's why screens and TVs and computers, not good. Get it out of your life. That, that stuff will ruin your sleep. It's really, really bad for you, but hopefully he's back and strong that he changes Montreal's team big time. Agreed. Um, Robert Thomas signed two years, 2.8 per with, with, um, St. Louis, so he's another, you know, RFA off the board. So just a couple more holdouts left, like we talked about. And this last thing, I was reading Twitter this morning. I thought this was kind of interesting, kind of funny. Bo Bennett, obviously a retired NHL player, tweeted out last night, said, I just played my first ever adult hockey league game. We lost 7-3. to three. I was minus 3, and I had to get an MRI on my hip. All in all, solid start to my post-career <laughs> career. Uh, it's a different remember- game. Tell me, like, the first time you skated in a men's league after you retire. What was that like? Well, you, you, you're, the expectations are sky high, right? And it's like you got to be the best player, but you also don't want to go out there and try very hard to be the try-hard guy. So it's, it's hard because whenever you usually hit the ice as a pro, you're going full speed most of the time. And it's hard to kind of rein it back. And then the players you're playing with aren't as fast or as good. So you're like trying to adjust to their speed and their skill level. And it was a disaster, just like Bo Bennett. Like I, I was a complete waste out there because it's just so completely different. And he's used to playing with like Sidney Crosby and Malkin and those guys. So I, I can't imagine. <laughs> and then having to go get an MRI on your hip. It's like, oof, not good. Tough, tough one for Bo Bennett. I feel for the guy. And that's it. That's, that's it for the quickest today. That's it. Well, I'm going to go adjust my fan tracks team. I've been tinkering with it all week 
you know, I signed up for our league, which is going to be great. We got, I think there's 200 people in there already. So get in there, sign up, drop in the gloves, get yourself an account. It'll be great. Um, I got to go ticker with my league. It's so fun. They, they have the auction style. They have the build a team we have with $500 per guy. And it's neat. You, you click on a guy, it goes to your team. You can X them right out. So they make it super easy the way it's just set up. It's awesome. They have all the players listed, their fantasy points last year. It's just a really, really, really great platform. So check it out. Go to Fantrax forward slash DTG. Tell them we sent you and you will not be disappointed. It's, it's a great, great fantasy website. So Fantrax.com, everybody. And on that note, have a good uh, day, everybody. We'll talk to you on Friday. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Dropping the Gloves with John Scott, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from to never miss an episode. Delivered by DoorDash.